Miracy. I feel like if I am putting my heart and soul and energy, like really holding the space energetically for people, I really feel that you need to be paid for that. Hello, and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success. But as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're going to dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we explore how to plan, fill, and profit from transformational retreats that change lives in a huge way while adding serious income to your bottom line, not to mention a lot of fun and adventure to your life. Our guest is Sherry Rosenthal, CEO of Wanderlust Entrepreneur, which helps heart-based entrepreneurs add transformational destination retreats to their businesses so that they can travel the world, have more fun, and reach more people. She also runs Journeys of the Spirit Travel, a boutique agency that specializes in planning and managing group travel. So welcome to Sherry, and let's jump right into the conversation. So I had no list or anything, and I needed to start from scratch. Retreats are such a part of my life. I needed to find a way to be able to grow my list to fill my retreats and also uh, create a steady income for my business and also to be able to engage my clients post-retreat. So in other words, making it into a bit of a circle because When you do offer retreats, there's a lot of transformation and you don't want to send people home to fend for themselves. A good way to put it. I have been teaching the four agreements because I studied with Domingo Ruiz for over eight years and I actually ran his business for two. For those of you who don't know, it was a New York Times bestselling book, The Four Agreements, and it changed my life. And part of the way that I learned from Domingo was on retreats. And he would do many of them in a year. And I would go on every single one of them. So I got to see firsthand how they impacted me personally, how they changed my life, and how he structured what he offered after his retreat to be a follow-up so you could be continually supported. So you always want to make sure there is an offer afterwards to support them in whatever they're doing. So for me, if retreats are priced properly, they can be extremely lucrative. A lot of people look at retreats and think about them as, oh, I'm just going to cover my expenses or I'm going to make a few thousand dollars. But there are many people making over $100,000 net, not gross, net on their retreats. So it's all about how you structure them and how you fit it into your business plan. 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> I wish everybody with a travel bug could be able to incorporate this into their lives and in their business because they will, they'll just feel so good. Absolutely. So fulfilled. Yeah. So tell us about that process of zero to what happened. My original life was medical. So I was a podiatrist, which is a foot doctor, and I practiced for 18 years. So it was quite a while before I actually quit medicine. And during that time, I also ran a surgical residency program. So I do like to teach. I've been teaching my whole life. And so it was natural once I left medicine, which was a total leap of faith because I had no idea what I was going to do afterwards. I mean, it's a very different life, right? No. The life of an... No? Yes. No. You wouldn't say? Well, let me take a step back. I had my own practice. So Uh business is business. Uh Right. You still have staff. You have technology. You have trying to get your practice to grow and get patients Mm -hmm. in your office. So there's always that, no matter what business you do. If you look at it superficially, you could say, wow, she went from medicine to teaching about retreats. But it's still being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. It is still the same things apply. For example, Mm -hmm. when I ran my practice, I opened up around the corner from a very, very large practice. And when I opened, there had been a podiatrist that just went bankrupt in the spot that I was opening my office. But (laughs) what I understood was positioning in business is everything, right? And so I looked around at what everyone else was doing and decided that I'm going to run my practice totally different than anyone else in the area in the same niche. So yes, Mm -hmm. podiatry is podiatry, but not depending on how you run your office and how you put yourself forward. Those same learnings applied, whether I was teaching the four agreements or teaching about retreats Mm -hmm. in Yes, exactly, Ari. So it was something that didn't hit me right away. But as I was going along, I realized it's just the same thing. It really (laughs) is. Uh, And and so I always used to say I was helping souls and now I'm helping souls. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's corny. It It is so corny. I know. But it's the truth. I don't know if I can say anything after that. That's just the best. (laughs) When you say retreat, what do you mean? Retreats require time for introspection. If you go away and you do teaching all day long, to me, that's a live event in a pretty place. Mm -hmm. So to Mm -hmm. do a retreat Mm -hmm. is to get out on the land in wherever you are And to have a deeply experiential balls to bones experience, which is different than when we go to live events, there's someone up on the stage, they're talking, and I'm not saying they're not transformational in some way. It's just different. My shit. It's different. That sounds A, a ton of fun. That's something (laughs) I would absolutely want to do. And also, um, it sounds expensive to run or to start. So- What do people need to have in place in order to be able to actually start running their own retreats? Well, what happens with a lot of newbies in retreats is they think they're going to fill a 20-person retreat like this with no list. 
Not going to happen. Not so much. <laughs> you have to make sure that you have a way of marketing your retreat. You need a list. Mm. Which brings me <laughs> to another point. Timing. People need to have their timing in place, meaning start a year in advance. Mm. So it's because not, you I want put people- together a retreat next month and you know make it happen. No, no. It doesn't work that way. And also because post-pandemic now, venues are booking and they're booked like a year in advance. So you really need to make sure you're planning way in advance. When I have students ask me about when they should start marketing their retreats, they're always shocked when they say three months and I go, "Mm, no. And they say six months and I'm like, mm, barely. Yeah, you know? barely. So it's really surprising for people mm-hmm. to hear how much in advance yeah. they need to do that. Yeah, because again, a retreat is different than a three-day event. Like most three-day live events are over a weekend and people go, oh yeah, I'll go to Arizona for three days. But what if you're going on a 10-day retreat to Peru? Mm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't just pick up and do that. I need to plan that. So maybe it's not a 10-day retreat. Maybe it's a five-day retreat. But something happens when you go beyond that three-day weekend thing. Mm. Not only that, something also happens when you go out of the country. Even if it's the same amount of flight flying time. Aside from the logistics, though, there's just like, I think that there's this mental thing that they have to get over. I agree. So what is the minimum that is needed for it to really work? Okay. So people do one day retreats, two, three, they have day long retreats. But for me, I think a minimum is five days. Okay. I love it when it's 10 days. Yeah. For me, because then... I've gotten over my fatigue of traveling. Like, for example, next year in the fall, I'm planning a trip to Bhutan. Well, that has to be minimum 10 days. Plus, you've got three days of travel. So that's a two-week trip for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they'll really drop in and it'll be life-changing. So you really need to sequester people. You need to get them away from their cell phones and all of the technology and be able to have time to do whatever it is you're promising. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You were saying earlier how a lot of people do it wrong. They expect to just break even or maybe make a bit, but that's it. That generally, you know, retreats are too expensive to do. And so they don't even want to approach it. Sounds like you're like, no, I disagree with that. So please tell us more. I disagree. (laughs) Okay. So pricing a retreat is critical because every one person difference is huge when you have a small number of people. So people go, well, I want to do my retreat. I want 10 people. But then what happens if they have five? Mm -hmm. Because the numbers are so small, you could be way in the negative if five. Mm-hmm. And then what are mm-hmm. you going to do? Cancel once people bought their plane tickets? That's why right. most retreat leaders will run the retreat anyway even if it's at a loss, which is sad. So you really need to understand the art of pricing your retreat. And you need to add more net in than you would imagine to make it worthwhile. Like if I'm going to go away for 10 days, I better be making some serious money. Right. Because in 10 days in my own office, 
if I launched an online something, I, I would be making a lot more money than I'm making on my retreat. It's really a labor of love. And also thinking about it from the point of view of an upsell. Even if you make 50,000 or 100,000 on your retreat, but if you now have new coaching clients, let's say that are high end, then yes, maybe that will do it for you. So you really have to price very carefully. We have a special formula that we use for figuring that out. So it doesn't really matter what somebody says about how many people they want. It's really more about the lowest number of people that you would run the retreat for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you ever recommend that people do retreats as, I don't want to say a loss leader, it's not really that, but as like, if they just barely cover their costs on the retreat, that's fine because of what they're selling on the tail end? Okay, Linda, a lot of people teach it that way. And I am vehemently, like... Glad I asked. (laughs) Vehemently against that. And the reason is this. I really have a thing about your value. I feel like if I am putting my heart and soul and energy, like really holding the space energetically for people, Mm -hmm. I really feel that you need to be paid for that. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hours of time. For example, an average retreat takes 100 hours of planning minimum. Oh, wow. Yeah, makes sense. You need to be paid for what you are creating, not what you're just delivering. Mm, Right. And a lot of times, entrepreneurs, they look at things as, oh, I'm getting paid, you know, for those 40 hours. It's, It's a lot of money. No, you forgot about the other hours because- They're ignoring the opportunity cost of just doing something else. Of doing a business, of running your business. You have to be paid for the hours that you're delivering and not delivering. Otherwise, your business is going to fail. Do you think that having the retreat be international, be some in some other country is important? So I think international has a lot of benefits if done well. Make sure that the location has alignment with what you're teaching. So for example, like you could do a spiritual retreat on the beach or you could do it at a sacred site. Obviously at a sacred site where you're working with the energies of the place is going to be a lot more compelling than something on a beach. If I was doing a speaking retreat, I might want to be in a place that has an amphitheater that allows you to rent out the place where I have my people speaking in an amphitheater that ancient people were orating in in the past. I mean, you could also do it at a hotel and people stand in front of the... Yeah, like, you see what I'm saying, Ari? Eh, meh. So when you have alignment, that's when things get really exciting. That's when people feel more compelled to register. Is it harder for retreats whose promise is personal transformation versus business transformation? Are those harder to fill? I think we have a lot of them. So you better be very compelling in what the experience is. But I don't think they're necessarily harder to fill. 
you just have to be very careful what your promise is and make it specific. Like, for example, if you just say it's a meditation retreat, that's why a lot of these don't fill because there's no promise. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. yoga retreat is very common. So yes, of course, they know they're going to do yoga. But what really is the takeaway? What's the life-changing thing that you're going to learn, do? What is going to happen on that retreat that's going to be worth the money, worth the time? And that I would pay anything for, like, what problem are you solving? And this- It's the same for any business yeah. thing, right? You got to know your audience. You got to know yes. the problem you're solving and you got to let them know what's in it for me. Exactly. And that information strategically needs to be on your sales page for your retreat. If you look at most people's retreat pages that have retreats, especially the warm and fuzzy, they don't really- dive into what are the problems that my clients have and how are we solving them on this retreat? And without that, there's nothing to justify the price point. There needs to be an actual <laughs> promise here. Right. It's like any other product. Right. It being a retreat is just a vehicle, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one more vehicle, whether it's an online course, a three-day event, a workshop, a mastermind, all of them solve pain points mm -hmm. and have a promise. Ideally, anyway. <laughs> yeah, even as a foot doctor, I had a promise, right? And I had problems yeah. I was solving. Yes, your bunion pain will go away or your heel pain will go away or your shin splints, whatever it is. Same thing. That's why I'm saying being an entrepreneur, it's the same. That's so funny. Podiatry. Yeah. International retreat, same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really, I, I get it. Yeah. I would guess you do not recommend, I mean, in person for a retreat is by far better, is what I'm understanding. Yes. But I would say this, Ari, during the pandemic, I had a private client who wanted to hire me for helping her take her program and um, make it an online program. And when she shared what it is that she did, I'm like, no, I'm not going to help you do that because you need to do it as an online retreat. Mm. And so she did it online. And, you know, normally she does two retreats a year. She made $50,000 for each retreat. So Yes, in person, obviously is going to be better, Ari, but in the situation where you can't, if you get creative, it's amazing what you can actually do through the computer. And people absolutely loved it. And so for two years, she did that. And she made the same amount of money she would have made with no travel. And people got to attend who never were able to attend before. So in your sense. We know what's possible now with regard to virtual, but we still prefer in-person. Absolutely. It is nothing like it. Like, just think about it. how would I do the trip to Bhutan virtually? <laughs> yeah. It always comes back to what is the goal and can you accomplish your goal from the retreat? If you can accomplish it virtually, great. If you can't, then you can't. Don't try because <laughs> you can't, like it yeah, won't work. Exactly. I hope people will really consider adding retreats to their business 
Not only will it be a really beautiful revenue source for them, but it'll change them. Mm, it, it, yeah. it changes you. Every time you do a retreat, you're not exempt from the magic. <laughs> That's a you're good way to put it. part of the magic. And every time I come back a better person, a more expanded person, and I don't know how it happens, but it does. It does. And I think it's a blessing to add this type of experience to your business, if you can. So let's talk. So many great tips from Sherry on incorporating retreats into your business. For example, price in way more than you might initially think, because you want to be paid for creating and delivering the retreat. And consider the opportunity cost. What other revenue-generating activities would you be missing while doing your retreat? And don't forget to articulate the promise, the transformational benefit that people will get from attending your retreat. Huge thanks again to Sherry. You can get even more of her retreat wisdom by downloading Sherry's ebook, Five Steps for Creating Your Five-Figure Retreat, where she shows you how to add an additional five figures minimum to your business using transformational retreats. Grab your free copy of it at blowingup.rocks forward slash Sherry. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash Sherry, S-H-E-R-I. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eaney, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have, you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think, and they're afraid. They were, honest to God, afraid to tell me things. It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone.
And I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at like, you know, my fears going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that, that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful and people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but uh, you know, that was definitely a journey. I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.